Blog Talk Radio. Refreshing, 
Um, we hope to get back to it today. Um, kind of a summary of what we're going over today. We're going to talk some college hoops, um, talk about the Big East, um, unfortunately splitting up, uh, do a little prelude for the showdown tonight at Chapel Hill. Yes, sir. Uh, we're going to talk some Derrick Rose. We're going to talk some MTV's top ten hottest MCs, and we're going to talk a little uh, a little TV and movies later, um, some rumors about Christopher Nolan and um, some other things as well. So, gentlemen, let's uh, let's let's get it started. Let's get it cracking. Um, uh, let's uh, we want to start out in in college hoops um, as we speak. I'm pretty sure it's still halftime of the Georgetown Syracuse game. Um, unfortunately, the Big East um, is uh, this is the final Big East tournament, right? Uh, this will be the last one that we see as the Big East as we know it, um, according to ESPN and multiple sources. Um, the Catholic Seven Schools, um, a group of basketball-only institutions within the Big East, will depart officially on June 30th. Um, the Catholic Seven Schools are DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, Seton Hall, St. John's, and Villanova. And they will form a 10-team league by adding Butler, Xavier, and probably Creighton as well, according to sources. Um, um, I, I'll start out personally by saying um, it's it's – it is, and I heard I, I was watching Jay Billis um, on ESPN yesterday on, on PTI talking about it a little bit, and it's 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 really sad, uh, um, you know, for someone like me. I'm you know I'm from well, we're all from New Jersey, um, and as we all know, the Big East tournament is held at Madison Square Garden every year. Um, I was there last year. I was there the year before. Um, it's it's become it's become one of the beacons for college basketball. The the Big East tournament atmosphere at Madison Square Garden. Um, and and obviously this whole deal, as we all know, is is at its core um, financially driven. Um, that is that is uh, these deals are all about money, um, and it's 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 a shame because the Big East was was one of the more competitive conferences, and we've seen so many players over the years come out of that conference. Um, it's really it's really a major move. Um, Lawrence, start us off. What's uh what's your initial reaction to to this? I mean, it's rough because, I mean, like, like you said, the Big East has been has been pretty much the powerhouse in college basketball, especially the last, like, five, ten years when we've come up and, and really been a part of college basketball. I mean, Syracuse to the Mellow Syracuse to the Kemba Yukons, like, I mean, they're, they're very, very strong teams here, and it's been, and it's been great basketball. And particularly for us coming out of Jersey, I mean, we see we see East Coast style basketball. We see we see a lot of New York guards. It's real gritty. It's fast paced, athletic. It's not so much of of a, like a Butler or, or a school like that where it's a lot of like half court offense and stuff like that. This is up and down the floor stuff. I mean, apart from Syracuse's zone, obviously that slows things down. But but at the same time, it's it's the most exciting basketball in college basketball and has been for a good amount of time. So it. It does suck that it's, it's it's financially driven and that this split is is because of money. I mean, I think that I think that if anything, we got to take away positives from it because there's not going to be much that we can do about it. A positive we can take away from it is that the ACC basketball is going to be a lot more strong. Sure. And I mean, it, it has been strong. It has been strong, but it's going to be much more competitive. Adding schools like Syracuse and Pittsburgh who even though Pittsburgh hasn't been great the last few years, 
throw them in the ACC and they're playing against teams like Georgia Tech and Wake Forest all year. I mean, not to say that Georgia Tech and Wake Forest are bad, but at the same time, Syracuse, um, Pittsburgh can win against teams like that. So, I mean, it, it's gonna it's gonna be very competitive. It's gonna be interesting to see how uh, things shape out. I think this whole Catholic Seven thing it, it broke my heart, man. I, I I sent I sent Martin the screenshot as soon as I got the uh, the the update from Bleacher Report on my phone yesterday about the Catholic Seven, and it it really does break my heart because, like I said, the Big East has been such a staple for us the last few years. But uh, yeah, I guess I mean that's pretty much how I feel about it. Like I said, you got to take positives away from it because we can't do anything about it. And, I, I just hope to see I, – I hope that the Catholic 7 can still remain very competitive and, and an interesting conference to watch. But I, I know that the ACC is going to get very, very interesting next year. Sure. And uh, also the, uh, Notre Dame is expected to also join the ACC. Yes, yeah. Um, I knew there was another one I missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that should make things interesting. Um, let's kick it to Jay. Jay, your thoughts on the Big East and the Catholic 7? Um. I feel the same way that everybody else does. It is a uh, heartbreaking um, turn of events for college basketball fans um, and college basketball alone. Um, It's really unfortunate, but um, we got to be realistic and look at what was going on in the Big East. You You have a league consisting of 16 higher in basketball programs in one conference and there just wasn't enough money to go around. So essentially what made the Big East what it was and that's like the depth uh, and the quality of the teams is the same thing that's breaking it up now. And, you know, college basketball, just like college football, it's it's a business at the end of the day. And, you know, Money makes the world go around. So you know, we we it, it's an unfortunate thing. Um, I don't think college basketball is going to be dead because of it, but college basketball is going to take a major hit because the Big East tournament alone generates so much, so much attention for college basketball. I mean, every game is on ESPN. Like every game is televised in the Big East tournament. They're playing at Madison Square Garden, so people are going to naturally pay attention to it. The Mecca, and yeah, and it's just, and it's, it's really, it's really sad and really unfortunate. I mean, the ACC now, like Lawrence said, is going to become the beast of the East, and it is. You're going to have Jim Beheim and and Mike Krzyzewski and all these Hall of Fame coaches. Like, Jim Beheim and Krzyzewski are essentially the one and two as far as college coaches of all time in wins. They both have 900-plus wins. So, ACC lucked up, but it's, it's very sad for college basketball. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you touched on, you know, the whole, the whole money Situation both of you guys did. Um, that's obviously a big part of it. Uh, T Hill, your reaction to the to the Big East splitting up? Uh, just to just to piggyback off what everybody was saying, um, I agree with what everybody was saying. It, it sucks that it comes down to a, a money issue where um, it takes away from big rivalries, um, great teams that are always competitive. Well, they'll still be competitive in the tournament, but 
Um, it's always competitive games when it comes down to the Big East, Big East tournaments. And um, coaches aside, I just wrote down a list of players that have come from the Big East. Uh, guys like Kemba Walker, recent, DeJuan Blair in that sense, um, that Pitt team with Sam Young and Levance Fields. Um, I wrote down guys like Dwayne Wade when he went to Marquette. That was Big East, right? Um, Ray Allen, uh, Allen Iverson, Carmelo Anthony, <laughs> you know, uh, Dikembe Mutombo, Patrick Ewing. Like, come on, man. Uh, Alonzo Morning. You guys, these are great players, and they're all part of this great rivalry that went down. And, um, I mean, it's, it's something that I'll miss as a basketball fan. So it's sad to see it um, being broken up like this. So sticking with um, sticking with our, our college hoops topic um, for the next few minutes, uh, we've, we've got, as we said before, we've got the showdown tonight. Um, mm. The the greatest rivalry in sports, let alone the in basketball. Um, Duke UNC at Chapel Hill. Um, Duke won at Cameron a couple weeks ago. Um, North Carolina has won six straight since losing to Duke, uh, seemingly under the radar. Um, they've made some they've made some adjustments since the game. As it, you know, they they kind of featured that that little small lineup that you're putting T.J. Harrison at the four now and McAdoo at the five, um, that was kind of featured against Duke, and they kind of experimented with it. And Mike Krzyzewski even said in his press conference yesterday that um, the way the way North Carolina came out in that small lineup actually reminds him of his teams um, the past few years in terms of going small and looking to uh, shoot threes and, you know, really try to get a little more dynamic offensively. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, we've got we've got Lawrence live on the line, but out of out of out of respect, you know, um, as as people should know, as our listeners should know by now, you know, we've got two Duke fans. Um, I am one of them. Um, yes, Lawrence sir. is the other. But we're we're gonna let the North Carolina fans start out the discussion, um, and what 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 Mr. Jason Reels is looking for from his Tar Heels tonight. Yeah, we'll save the best for last. Um, so tonight's game is is huge for Carolina. I think Carolina um, has a lot more to gain, obviously, with this win than Duke does. Um, I I hope that being at home for Carolina is going to be what takes them over the top. If anybody watched the last game, Carolina played a better game than Duke did for about 30 minutes. And they really took it to him defensively. Um, McAdoo caused so many issues for, for Plumlee and Duke's front line. And they really, really played a very good game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Um, but in order to take down a Duke, you have to play – smart basketball, and they made a lot of mistakes in the second half. You can't miss free throws. They missed a ton of free throws in the second half. And when you play Duke and you play against a Mike Krzyzewski coach team, you have to be sound in practically everything that you do. And they knew Carolina was very good for a while, but it has to be 40 minutes. And I'm hoping that them being at home 
will will allow them to play a little bit more consistent basketball um, this time around. Uh, if Carolina wins, you know, it, it, it's a it's a statement to the country. I would say that Carolina has to be considered on your brackets to get to the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, and you know who knows what's going to happen, but possibly the Final Four. Um, they have they have a pro with with McAdoo, and they have NBA size wing players, and their ball handlers are are decent. They do a good enough job in order for them to stay in games. But this is a potentially dangerous team if they get hot and six in a row. Duke coming in, if they can turn this to seven going into the ACC tournament, uh, I just think. Carolina is a team that you absolutely have to keep on your radar uh, uh, come come the madness. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it I'm gonna keep it clean <laughs> for our viewers' sake. Uh, I'm gonna keep it. It gets a lot dirtier than that. But um, I I, I, I can say Carolina fan. I really enjoy the Duke. I, I love Mike Krzyzewski, and it hurts me to say that, but but you can't hate the man because he's the greatest college basketball coach of all time. And, and his teams that he puts together are consistently competitive, and there's a expectation at Duke that I think is at Carolina as well that we win. We, that's what we do. So there's a respect level there for sure with me, um, but I don't like him. <laughs> uh, Mark, give us give us what you're what you're looking for tonight from our from our Blue Devils. I mean, I I we we do have to play. I mean, Jay is absolutely right. We have to play a lot better basketball than we did the first game. I mean, when, right. we we won that first game almost just because we were in Cameron. And like I said last week, and I say every week, we don't lose in Cameron. So I mean, that's realistically why we won against UNC. Jay's absolutely right. UNC played a better game than us. They did miss a bunch of big free throws down the stretch. I got some numbers in front of me. UNC on the game shot uh, 56% from the free throw line, whereas Duke shot 85%. That's kind of the game right there. I mean, it was a five-point game. You missed 10 free throws. That's it. So um, right. I, I, I'm, I'm looking for Duke to play a lot better. I, I think that with us having Ryan Kelly back, is definitely going to be huge for us because we're able to kind of stretch the floor and be and, and, and have a little bit more size on the floor to where if UNC tries to go smaller, you know, P.J. Harrison is going to get backed down by Ryan Kelly, and Ryan Kelly is going to give P.J. Harrison a lot of problems. So, I'm, I, I, I mean, as any Duke win, I feel like it comes down to us making shots, and you can say that about any basketball team in any game, but it, it's as true of Duke as any other. We have to hit the three. I mean, we live by the three and we die by the three. Especially on the road, we get flustered, we miss some shots, we make some stupid turnovers. I, I, to, to negate all of that, we have to be able to hit our three ball. I mean, we only shot six for 16 the first game, which is 38% from three. It's not terrible, but it, it's certainly not great. And, and it's not a number that we're going to be able to win on the road with. So I think we need to be strong defensively and we've got to knock down our three. But I, I do like our chances a lot. I, like I said, especially with Ryan Kelly back, I think he he makes a, a very big difference. Yeah. yeah um, before we kick it to Tommy, uh, you know we we 
we have to mention Ryan Kelly. It was funny. We were just saying last week, um, a couple hours before, or maybe even less than that, before the the Duke Miami game, we got the update that Ryan Kelly would play. <clears throat> yep. And it was um, for a Duke fan. I mean, that was like that, that was like gold. <laughs> I mean, that's like five dollars in your jean pocket. Um, yeah. That was just the, that was just the best news. And yeah. and I have to say, even as a Duke fan. Um, and, and Ryan Kelly, I mean, he's, he's averaging over 27 and he's shooting above 60% from the field coming back from an injury, um, which is phenomenal in itself. But I have to say, uh, I was impressed by Ryan Kelly's presence on both ends. See, I never, I never understood kind of, um, the, 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 the perspective that Ryan Kelly was kind of a, a, a crucial part of our defense. Um, oh, yeah. Big and white. You know, he's not, he's not he, you know, you don't look at him and say, you know, well, he can guard people. But, but where he impressed me last Saturday and what I, what I saw from him that really kind of put me on notice as to why he is so important for our defense, it's, it's not really about his mobility but more about his, 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 his ability to be at the right places at the right time. He hedges the right way. He recovers Absolutely. back the right way. He's always yeah. there on help with patients. I pretty, he took a charge last week, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure I remember it. I mean, you know, he's always where he's supposed to be in terms of rotations, in terms of hedging, and doing, doing the things that, uh, that, you know, good defensive big men do. So uh, I, was, I was obviously, you know, the offensive performance he put on was, uh, was phenomenal. And in these last two games, he's been great. Um, I I look forward to seeing North Carolina really challenge him. I look forward to seeing the matchup with him and P.J. Harrison because I, I actually think in terms of if you're talking about uh, the physicality, I mean, Harrison is, is a pretty physical player. Uh, I look forward to seeing how Ryan Kelly responds um, to, to his physicality tonight. Um, it, you know, it's, it's a rivalry game. I think we see a good game for that reason and the fact that it's at Chapel Hill. Um, and I think it's uh, it's definitely huge for North Carolina, you know, tr- battling their way into March Madness. Um, but it's also big for Duke as well because um, you know it's it's not like it. it's North Carolina, it's at Chapel Hill, and it's a chance to uh, further solidify themselves now that Ryan Kelly is back. Um, uh, I know Jay Jay had something also. Um, I want to get Tommy on as well to get his thoughts. Um, so yeah, uh, another intro interesting part about this game that has potential uh, postseason implications is that the winner of this game, um, if Carolina wins, then that means they have a tie for second place in the ACC with Duke. And that's going to be huge when it comes to the ACC postseason tournament as Carolina and Duke are both trying to solidify seeds in the tournament, both teams are in. Um, do Carolina, AJ, do you Carolina, think Carolina is definitely in, even with a loss. Car- Carolina is definitely in. Oh yeah. This, okay. This, like that's why I was saying before, this loss for Carolina doesn't mean as much as if Duke loses. Yeah. And, we and that's be a because Car- yeah, they Duke Duke is fighting for a one seed, mm-hmm. and. It's been, you know, up and down. You know, Lenardi has had to change a team, I feel like, at least every three to four days. He has a right. number one in there because people are dropping like flies. So if Duke loses this game, you know, I, I think I, I would say that they definitely don't get a one seed. Hmm. So Duke's playing for a one seed. 
Carolina's playing for a tie for second place in the ACC, and they're essentially fighting for a five, six seed instead of a seven or eight seed in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And we Which know makes that, the world of a that could be everything. That could be everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That could be the difference between Carolina going to the second round, the Sweet 16. You know, no, like every – they, they want to avoid people. people. Not that, not that not you think it's going to be easy, but that's why Duke wants the one seed, right? Like, like you, 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 you want to play. You want to play a 16 seed first. And you want to play a nine or a nine seed in the second round. So this is this game. This game is huge, ladies and gentlemen. If you follow college basketball, you know about this rivalry, and there's a reason why it's the last game in the ACC season for both teams every year because they know it's going to be there's going to be implications. Like there's going to be serious implications. So um, yeah, I'll let I'll let Tommy give us some input. Yeah, Tom, give us your thoughts. I do think, as a side note, I think Duke has, I think Miami has, has helped Duke's case as a number one seed this week, right? They they lost the uh, oh, absolutely. Georgia Tech this week on that buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the, I haven't seen Lenardi's uh, latest uh, number one seed. Um, I haven't I haven't looked that up, but um, I'm sure that uh, Miami the is the they, latest double they, they has Duke in. Duke has a one seed. Yes, the latest has. um, I believe it's Duke, Gonzaga. I want to say Kansas. Uh, I got to I got to check it out. But I want to say Duke, Gonzaga, Kansas end up. And geez, I can't even remember. Uh, T Hill, your thoughts on the on the rivalry for tonight? Um, I I got to keep going back to um. I don't, you know, I'm not an avid college basketball watcher like the most like you guys are, but my eye test tells me. I've seen both these teams play. I mean, Duke's all right, man. I mean, I was wrong last week about Miami. I was wrong. I mean, my my, my picks tend to be a little sporadic, you know what I mean, at times. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, what I'm really looking for is the the team that has composure on the road. That's what I'm what I keep. That's what keeps coming back to to my mind, to the forefront of my mind when I uh, when I keep looking at these college basketball games. Will Duke have the composure on the road to win a game at UNC? They got rattled earlier. Um, Miami is the only one that comes to mind, but they got rattled earlier on the road, and you just want to see a team that can be can keep its composure and win a big game. When because in the, in the tournament, that's what it all comes down to. You got to win somewhere that you're not you're not accustomed to playing to. So yeah. the teams that get these wins, it's not about because UNC can come out and and ride the wave in their own crowd. They don't have any consistent shooters from looking at UNC. I don't see any consistency from the outside. I see UNC wins this game by causing a lot of turnovers, getting uh you know just getting the game out of hand early, um, using their athleticism. That's that's uh, playing solid defense. You know that's the way UNC. I can see them winning this game, but if you're gonna Keep if you're gonna throw Duke in a one seed, I want to see them be keep their composure and win a game like tonight. They they're not a one seed if they don't win this game tonight. Yeah, that's uh that's well said, and it goes back to uh you know uh you, you and Jay both touched on on the fact that there are definitely severe 
not, not so much severe, but, I mean, uh, serious implications uh, for this game tonight, for this rivalry game. Uh, we're going to switch gears now to our to, to the NBA. Um, um, like we said before, our co-host, um, our teammate Lawrence, is in Boston. He's in the bean. Um, Live from the bean. Speak. He is called in from the bean, and um, uh, he was at he was at the the Boston Garden last night. Um, got to see the Boston Celtics in action against the Hawks. Um, it was on ESPN last night at eight o'clock. Um, Lawrence was there live. Got a chance to uh, check out the Celtics, who who now after last night's overtime win are fourteen and four since Rajon Rondo went down. Um, mm-hmm. I texted Lawrence while he was at the game and asked him to specifically look at, um, you know, what he, you know, what he felt was in terms of, you know, he was there, you know, with the eye test and seeing, you know, guys on the court and and hearing people in the crowd and stuff. I mean, what what was the vibe in Boston like like last night, and what did you see that makes Boston so effective uh, without Rondo? I mean, uh, first off, the the atmosphere in the Boston Garden is as electric as, as anything I've ever been a part of. I mean, we we've seen that we we know that Boston fans really really love their teams and and that was definitely that was definitely evident last night. Um, I mean, if, if anybody watched the game, you know, it was an it was an overtime thriller and actually the the Celtics before the game last night were a game behind the Hawks, so the uh, the Celtics were in sixth place, the Hawks were in fifth. Now they're tied, so it, it was almost a playoff game. Um, I think the I think that there are a lot of things that go into them still being successful without Rajon Rondo. I think that, I think that starts number one, I would say it starts with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. I mean, these are two stone cold hall of famers. We all know that. We all know that they're two of the best. I mean, Kevin Garnett last night became 10th all time in rebounding in the, I mean, rebounds in the NBA. I mean, that speaks for itself. 10th all time last night, which is, I mean, huge, and and you know, Paul Pierce, he he doesn't want to lose, so he's going to do everything he can to not lose, and I think that that makes that makes the difference. We talked about the intangibles with guys like Kobe, where it's like the drive. Paul Pierce has that maybe just as much as anybody else in the league. I mean, we know he's been one of the most consistent scorers the last ten years, hands down. Um, also, I think Avery Bradley makes a huge difference. Avery Bradley. Is is not the the facilitating point guard that Rajon Rondo is. He's not necessarily a playmaker, but we do know that he's one of the best on ball defenders in basketball. He is it. He's a good shooter. He's a good facilitator. He, I mean, he shoots the ball better than Rajon Rondo does from from seventeen and out. And but I mean, that's not very difficult. But at the same time, he he does a lot of things really well. They got good minutes from Jordan Crawford. They got great minutes from Courtney Lee. I mean, there. I honestly, I told Martin this earlier this morning when I was on the phone with him. I honestly think Boston is a team that can definitely win a first round matchup against the team. And I mean, they they showed it. it. It's 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 the veterans, man. These are the old heads that we've been talking about for a long time, saying that they were maybe too old to do certain things. But I mean, you can't teach experience, and, and they have, and they have a ton of it, and they play well together. They play as a cohesive unit. Doc Rivers is also a very big part of that. I mean, he he was coach of the year a few years back, and he's still one of the best one of the best in the game right now. So, I mean, that that's kind of what I took away from the game last night. Um, 
that, yeah, thank you for reporting back um, from the game. Uh, you know, Jason and I were texting a little bit during the game, um, and uh, Jay talked about the, the the superior ball movement that has ensued. Oh, yeah. Boss. Um, the way yeah. they're moving the ball so well. Jay, you want to touch on that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, when you use a playmaker like Ron, you know, your your offense becomes a little less explosive, and, that, and that's, that's what happens when you lose your, your quarterback, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what, it, what it's forced Boston to do is trust each other more. Like, mm-hmm. Rondell dominates the basketball probably more than any other point guard in the NBA. Like, oh, he, yeah. will, he will come up, he will dribble, he will dribble along the baseline, he'll come back out. Like, Steve Nash dominates the ball a lot, but I feel like Rondell really, really dominates the ball. And, 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 that, and I say that not as a negative or a knock towards Rondo because he can dominate the ball and have those 15, 16, 17 assist games. Like, he averages double-digit assists a game. Even in, in, you know, so you like a guy like that controlling everything. But what it's forced Boston to do is, is really share the ball and everyone getting touches. And for NBA teams, they're so used to a point guard coming up, running high screening roles, and and working the offenses through that that NBA teams really don't have to deal with that type of ball movement very often. And you know, Pierce is not really a, a black hole. Like he, it's not like he gets the ball and you know it's not coming back out. Yeah. And KG's never been like that. The emergence of Jeff Green. I mean, Boston. Jeff was huge. Yeah, Boston is a team that nobody wants to see in the postseason because they are as tough as they come. Yeah. Like, I, 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 every year, in the last since LeBron's been to Miami, I've always said that Boston is the one team that could beat Miami in a series out of the East because they're not scared of them. No. Like, like, like they, they got like, rings. Like Kevin, got Gar- rings. Like Kevin Garnett and, and Paul Pierce, like, these guys, they're they're on the tail end of their careers, but these guys are bona fide Hall of Famers, and they are first ballot. First they're ballot they're guys. thugs too. Like 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 like, <laughs> like when it, when it comes to basketball, they are the thugs of the NBA. They're not scared <laughs> of anybody. Nope. And and Doc Rivers, I think you can you can make a case again this year that he's coach of the year in the NBA. Yeah. So, I mean, Boston... Especially with this recent stretch without Ronda. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, if Jeff Green and Terry can provide the scoring punch help to help Pierce and and Garnett and and, and Bradley continue to play well, Brandon Bass, they have pieces and they they all fit. They're very deep. Danny Ainge um, has done a terrific job in Boston, if you ask me. Yeah. especially over the last couple of years. I mean, I thought they would be really hurt. I mean, they've, they've lost Ray Allen and Rondo and over the past year and a half, and they're still, you know, they're still relevant. And that's, that's, a, that's a, a testament to their front office and their coaching and their two leaders who don't let them, don't let them have a bad year. I mean, they won't. Um, they get that. Uh, you know, it's. I, I I've always agreed. I mean, we talked about who who posed the biggest threat to Miami in the East last week, and um, 
it's it's I don't think anyone mentioned but I I know no one mentioned Boston but to Jay's point um they did you did you mention Boston uh I I don't I don't remember anyone really expounding on it though. I mean, I, I said I said um Boston for the simple fact that they hate my that's true. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's, but well, I'll just I'll say this one thing. I, I unfortunately uh, I'm going to put Tommy on, and we've also got a caller that we're going to bring in. Um, but let me say this: Paul Pierce should be making Jeff Green breakfast every day for because Easily. Jeff Green. If, if if there is a Boston Miami matchup, Jeff Green will be guarding LeBron James and not Paul Pierce. And for that very reason, Pierce should be should be folding his clothes and making him breakfast every day, making sure that he's healthy. Because Paul, the Paul, since, since about two years ago, Paul P, LeBron James has moved past his little struggles with, with, with uh, scoring on Paul Pierce. So I, I'm of that mindset that, you know, Jeff Green is, is clearly one of the key pieces for them if, if they're going to make any noise and battle with Miami. Um, I'm going to put Tommy on, and then and, uh, let me bring first. Uh, what's up? You're live with the collective Hello? Hello, hello, hello. Hello? Okay. He may be changing diapers or something like that. Uh, he probably is. Um, hello, hello. Hello, hello. There hey, he is. Hey, what's up? Is, is this Raphael Twigs? Yeah, this is me. You know, what's going on? <laughs> one of our one of our favorites and, and devout callers, uh, Raphael Twigs. What's going on, man? Not much mean sun just here, phone closed, you know, chill. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm assuming you have something to weigh in for uh for one of our topics. Yeah, uh yeah, I was just gonna jump on uh Jeff Green bandwagon. He's good, uh, man. Uh I always thought, you know, he was the def- definitely gonna be the piece for them. And you guys touched on this, I wasn't even gonna say anything because you're right, that the whole team is just it's built for if Jeff Green comes alive and improves every day like he is, they can go deep and they can beat the Heat. Yeah. Point blank. Yeah, they can. They can. But uh, but I don't I don't know I don't know if his progress is going to be there in time. You know, that's because everybody's just like LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James. Yeah, no, I definitely I definitely agree with what you're saying, Raph. Because I mean, he took some he took some rather suspect shots. Last night, and he still, and he seems like he's still kind of trying to get the hang of the whole offense. And yeah, but, I mean, yeah, last night we were talking about last night. You saw it last night. Yeah, yeah, and um, but I mean, one thing you can say about Jeff Green is they're looking for instant offense out of him. Like his first play in last night, he took a three right off right off the bat and and got no words from anybody from it. Like that's that's what they're looking for from Jeff Green. He just, I feel like he he's still working out the kinks and getting comfortable, but. I mean, by by the time the playoffs roll around, you never know, man. Okay, okay. Uh, and the other thing, I was going to uh, talk about Derrick Rose. Did y'all get to him yet? No, no, no. Yeah, we're, we're, we're about, to get, we're about to get to Derrick Rose in a second, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I jumped in there. So go ahead and bust it up. So, well, thanks. <laughs> well, thanks for making that segue for us, though, Raph. We appreciate that. Well, thank you for letting me throw it in there. <laughs> always, man. Always. Thank, thank you for I the input, you man. We always appreciate your call. Love you too, man. We love you too, man. Um, so yeah, so thanks, thanks to Raph. We uh, we have a nice quick segue to uh, to our next topic on Derrick Rose. Um, uh, the sources have confirmed that he is cleared to play by doctors. However, um, he will not return 
uh, immediately, but he is medically cleared. Um, Tom Thibodeau was quoted recently as saying that it's never too late to bring him back. I'm of the mindset that their best option is to bring him back um, for maybe the last five to ten games of the season, get him in some, get him in better game shape. Because from what I see, uh, he's back. He is in shape. I mean, he's running around, he's, he's working out, I, and he's been practicing with the team. Um, but I do, I, I think that is probably their best bet. Um, play him a few of the last regular games of the season, get him in some better game shape, and. Um, Try to get get him primed for the postseason. Um, I'm going to go to Tommy first, and if I may disclose um, just a little bit, you know, in high school, uh, Tommy suffered an injury. Uh, it's not the same injury as there Rose is looking. I broke my tibia. Okay, yeah, I, I've never had a serious injury like that, so I don't really know what that means. But uh, uh, Tommy was talking to me a little about a bit about the psychological aspects of returning from a major injury. So uh, I want to swing it to Tommy on the D Rose subject first. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I just read an interesting article on Derrick Rose. I, I mean, I should have wrote down the author and where I read it off of. But it just spoke to the fact that um, how Derrick Rose as a person, he's very introverted. And he doesn't like going out. He doesn't he doesn't hang around the team. He likes being in his apartment by himself down in Chicago. Um, he doesn't, you know, yeah, he doesn't hang around too much. He has his brothers, his family, and that's about it. And with the person that's introverted, they – which is I share those kind of similarities too, and I know a lot of us do introverted don't people that don't like being around people or just going out. But a person who's introverted thinks a lot, and you're just for me looking on the outside perspective. And I had a similar issue with breaking my tibia. You look at Derrick Rose, and I'm just looking at a guy that I hope he doesn't have any any mental barriers that that is keeping himself from from getting back out there on the floor because. That's that's a it's kind of hard to get that mental block when you when you know how explosive that you can be how things that you want to do on the floor but you're just not sure to if I can really just explode again if I you're just always thinking about it and I just hope he's getting past that and you hear stuff coming from his brothers saying that they don't have enough help and you know you just hope he's not listening to all that and I, I just hope he comes back at his time and he's he's just ready you know. I feel like that's the best thing for him to just get out there and just play, you know. Get that get that mental block, get that doubt out of your mind, just go out there and play. I, I that that is so well said. Um I do wanna ask though, do you do you think that the fact that he's cleared but he's not coming back yet, do you think that speaks to his his patience and, and do you think that that speaks to the fact that he is waiting until he's actually ready? Or do you? Uh, I, think, I, I know you're looking at it from a, if you're medically cleared to play, then you can go out there and play. The, the rest of it is on you, is on the person. And I that's the, the mental block that I think that he has a little in his head from his personality being introverted and know that he's he's probably overthinking it. And he should, just, you know, I just I just don't want to see that. I hate to see that whole guy back like that. With that much talent, this is the league MVP at 21 years old. Like, I want to see. We all want to see back at it. Sure. Um, like you know, that was so well said. Um, I it, it's you know I, it's it's clear right that they you know if if Chicago wants to do anything significant, they need the Derrick Rose that was Derrick Rose before he got hurt, and they need him back quickly. I mean, they've they've kind of kept themselves above water without him a little bit. They've you know they played well. Guys have stepped up. Um, but they're falling down the Eastern Conference standings. I mean, 
Uh, we mentioned Boston getting up ahead of, well, it looks like they're tied now with Atlanta, but after their overtime win last night, um, they have the advantage there. Uh, Boston is at, in sixth place only a half game behind Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, now Chicago is only one one full game behind Brooklyn at the four seed. So though, so the, between four and seven is kind of you know is kind of in flux right now. Uh, but you know Chicago is clearly you know they're 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 dropping and and not to say that they're struggling, um, but but it's clear that they need their star back. Um, L, your thoughts on on D Rose and uh, what it could mean for him coming back? I, I think it could be it could be really interesting. I mean. What you just talked about just now with with the whole four to seven range is is if I'm in Indiana or New York or even a Brooklyn, I'm nervous about how that can shape out because there's certain teams in there that you wouldn't mind seeing and there's certain teams in there you definitely don't want to see. And I think Chicago with the Derrick Rose, if if it's the Derrick Rose that we know, is one of those teams that you certainly don't want to see. I mean, you look at their numbers this year; they're thirty-five and twenty-seven. I mean, they 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 five played and five really in well. The last 10. Five and five in the last ten. I would. I mean, it isn't great, but at the same time, they're doing all of this, and they're still a playoff team without the MVP from two years ago, which is like okay. it's scary. It's scary, and we know that they're 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 main point has been defense and, and Tibbs has them playing almost maybe the best defense in basketball right now. So, I mean, it, it, it certainly is scary to see what, what a team like that can do with a healthy Derrick Rose back. I mean, we, we've all seen the videos of Derrick Rose dunking and stuff like that. So we know that, I mean, he's, he's in some sort of shape. We, we don't know how good of shape that is in terms of actual basketball shape and being able to get up and down the floor for 48 minutes. But I mean, if there's if it's anything similar to the Derrick Rose of old, Chicago is certainly a team a New York a New York and Indiana does not want to see in the first round. Especially, certainly a Brooklyn doesn't want to see in the first round. Sure, yeah, I would I would have to agree. Um, let's uh, Jay, Jay Reels, uh, give us your thoughts on on Derrick Rose. Um, this is this has all turned out to be a really really. Uh, stressful scenario for him. And I feel like he is the only one that's holding himself back from playing right now because I think he's under a tremendous amount of pressure. If you look at it, Chicago, the fact that Chicago stayed in contention or, you know, above water, that they're in the playoffs without him means that if he comes back and they don't play as well, He's gonna be one. He's gonna be one of the like people that get a finger pointed at. And and if you think about this whole, if you think about the time in between him getting hurt now and the whole process, you know he has his like his shoe deal with Adidas, and their slogan is the return. And like his his whole life has been around him returning back to the basketball court, and that's a tremendous amount of pressure on him. And I don't know. If he's holding himself back, I think it might be because he does not want to disappoint people when he comes back. And he wants to make sure that he's on Derrick Rose that everybody knows and not, you know, slower or or have any type of issues psychologically. He knows that when he comes back, he has to play at a high level right away, and that's what people are expecting from him. And with all, like, the hype, that has been going into him coming back because you know as soon as he touches the floor, it's gonna be it's gonna be the the biggest thing 
in basketball for that night. And it's a lot of pressure for him. And, and I would hope for his own sake and for Chicago's franchise's sake that if he's not ready, they don't bring him back. Because this is your future. He's the future of the Chicago Bulls. He is their largest investment, and he is their guy, period. And he deserves it. He's he's a former MVP. He he has an MVP. So um, it's a sensitive situation and probably the hardest thing or one of the hardest things that the Bulls have ever had to experience as a franchise with it. Because this is something that if if not handled correctly – could set them back as a franchise for years. That's how big of a decision this is of when to bring them back and what's the right time. And it's just it's a high pressure situation for all the parties involved. And um, I just I just think I don't think he thinks that he's ready. Um, and and it's it's funny, uh, you know, Jason and, and Tommy both kind of um. Of kind of the central premise of what both of them said is about uh, it's on Derrick Rose and him being mentally ready to come back. Uh, apparently, um, Mike Wilbon was, I, I don't know if he interviewed Derrick Rose or uh, I'm not sure. I, I just see on ESPN he was talking uh, just last night um, about how Derrick Rose, and I don't know if this came from Rose directly or from a source close to Rose, but apparently it's it's been reported that he's not, that's the issue, he's not mentally ready to play right now. And uh, it goes back to Tommy's original point and uh, what Jay piggybacked on the fact that it's, it's about his, him being mentally ready to come back and take over the team that needs him so desperately because uh, when, when they were struggling before, when, before he got hurt, I mean, you know, they were number one in the East, but they, they, still, they still couldn't, they couldn't really get over that Miami hump. They they still couldn't quite, you know, uh, uh, in the regular season they had some great matchups. But, when you know, when it comes down to the, the, the postseason, slowing down in the half court, you know, uh, he's, he is so much a part of their offense, and you could almost say to a fault. But that's something that he clearly has to be mentally ready to come back to. Um, so that that's definitely a strong point there. Um, all right, that wraps up our, our basketball segment for right now. Um, or for today, rather, we're going to kick it to a two-minute commercial break, and then we're going to come back and start our music segment and get real hot and heavy into MTV's uh, top ten, eighth annual top ten hottest MCs list. And this should get really hot because I have some I have some serious reservations about this list, as we usually do every year. Um, so, like we said, this is the collective. We're coming back and talking some music. Oh.
All right, yes, 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 y'all. Be right back with the collective. We just wrapped up our, our basketball segment, which is loosely based on our basketball blog, which you can check out at basketballfeed.blogspot.com. Uh, we just wrapped up our discussion about um, the, the Duke-UNC prelude for tonight. Uh, we talked a little NBA. We talked about the Boston Celtics. Um, talked about Derrick Rose. And uh, we're going into our music segment now. Um, to kick it off, um, it only feels right that we pay tribute um, to to one of the greatest that to ever pick up a microphone, um, one of the shining symbols for hip hop um, still today. Um, the the 17th anniversary of um, Notorious B.I.G.'s uh, killing. So we're gonna we're gonna pay tribute. Um, we're gonna go around and kind of just share our uh our favorite you know favorite biggie song favorite biggie memory um i'll start off by just uh i you know i'll try you know i'll I'll say the notorious movie for me um it was i i i think it was well put together and i and personally i watch you watch that movie and you know that final scene with uh angela bassett when she's you know, she's riding through the neighborhood, and all these people are out in Brooklyn yelling her son's name. Uh, you know, it's it really makes you uh, remember and appreciate um, what Biggie stood for, uh, not just as a rapper, uh, you know, as an as a musician, as an artist, and um, um, much could be said about what we hear now being so much influenced by um, what Biggie was able to do. Um, I want to kick it to Tommy first and get his uh, his 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 favorite Biggie memory. Uh, I don't really have one particular favorite Biggie memory. Um, I just like um, I was introduced to Biggie. My mom was always a big uh, hip hop fan. My mother put me on him when I was young. And I just I just always loved from Biggie. Like even to this day, that that flow that just can't be matched. You know, like this. Kicking the door, waving the phone, all the hood was popping. Don't hit me no more. Like, come on, man. Like, Biggie's just that 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 ultimate that ultimate flow. I mean, and I mean, next in line, I would say would be Jay Z. But I mean, that flow is it. That's what I always remember from Biggie. You can put a Biggie song on now in the club, and everybody's gonna feel good about that song. You know, Biggie's just he's always gonna have that impact. Very well said, Al. You want to give your thoughts on on Big? Yeah, I mean, I I struggle. We're not going to talk about that. Um, in terms of favorite, in terms of favorite Biggie moment or song, I would I would almost have to say I got a story to tell. That I remember the first time I heard that it was I was probably mm-hmm. like I I, I guess I want to say I was like twelve or thirteen. I mean, it wasn't when it first came out, but I remember. Uh, just the the flow, the intricacy, the, the the story, the way he, I mean, it's called I Got a Story to Tell, and he does tell a story about him and a, a certain NBA player's um, love interest. But um, I, I think that just like what he was able to do was really embodied in that song and just everything to it. I mean, when when you talk about Big E, it was a total package. It was, it was a little bit of everything, and, I mean, he he is greatly missed and could possibly be one of the best to ever do it. Uh, Jr. 
B-I-G. What do you got for us? Um, there's, there's so many, you know, moments for, you know, us New York area hip-hop listeners that, you know, we, we cherish when it comes to Biggie. Um, but uh, I, I, I like to more so recognize what he did for hip-hop as far as bringing the hood to everyone's television and, and, mm-hmm. and bringing the hood to the mainstream, essentially. He's, like, one of the most influential, like, crossover rappers, if you want to say, that, you know, was essentially a uh, a hood rapper, um, you know, a street rapper, a raw rapper, like a raw-ass dude, period. And, you know, he took that and he, he, he was one of the people that had the formula right. And, you know, I guess you can give Puffy some credit as well, but he made those street tracks, you know, yeah. hit like mainstream hit. Like Juicy was a mainstream hit and that's you know, that's a that's a that's a street underground hip hop song, realistically. And, you know, he 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 literally brought the hood to the mainstream and opened up doors for rappers that, you know, were weren't necessarily like open at that time. You know, there's no there's no Jay Z without Biggie, there's no Nas without Biggie. Um some of the people that we consider like the greatest of all time would not be able to do what they do without Biggie Small. So he's like he's like the Martin Luther King of hip hop. He he's 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 the he's the trailblazer of it. And you know you have to you have to appreciate what he's done for hip hop. Oh yeah. Um, you know, to the to the degree. It's just it's just tremendous and. You know, just a talented dude that, you know, all of us wish we could have seen how the whole picture was going to, like, play out. And, you know, maybe, maybe like, honestly, if Disney was able to record as many albums as a lot of rappers around, we may not have a debate about who's the greatest rapper of all time. Sure. He could have been the Michael Jordan of this thing. He could have been... The standout, yeah, that's the guy that is just like, you know, he's the greatest, and it's kind of like a unanimous decision. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's some of the things that are bittersweet, but, you know, you still appreciate the music and the and the, and the crossover that he's able to do without losing himself, which a lot of rappers do now. And it's, it's just tremendous, and it's, it's, you know, a talent that we, we won't see again, anything like it. Um, very well said. We got we have a caller um, on the line that wants to come in. Um, we're going to bring him on now. Uh, what's up? You are live with the collective. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Charlie what's going B. on? Charlie, we got Krishan Nelson, the one and only on the line with us. Um, you want to say something about Biggie? Definitely. You know, BK I want to call in. Because I feel like in my eyes, Biggie is like the greatest rapper ever. From like growing up in Brooklyn, hearing Biggie, Biggie wasn't just like a rapper for me. Like Biggie was everything. Biggie like tied memories together. Like you know what I mean? Like Biggie. Yeah. I personally feel like Biggie was probably the greatest to ever do it. Like 
he talked. It was effort. Like he, it was easy. Like you know, yeah. a lot of rappers really can't do that, and I feel like that's what really makes them like different, separate them from a lot of other people. Yeah. And Brooklyn. DK. <laughs> you know, he put us on the map. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. I can't. You like, have to love that. Yeah. Sure. And it and it could be said that. Uh, and uh, I mean, uh, like Jay said, I mean, <laughs> the Martin Luther King of hip hop. I mean, his impact on Brooklyn may be the biggest impact of any, you know, any particularly hip hop artist on any area. I mean, obviously, Tupac was highly influential in, in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. but you talk about Brooklyn, you're talking about Biggie. Mhm. Yeah, it's crazy because I can mm-hmm. even think back to the day in Brooklyn when he was riding through with his casket. Like the the streets were crazy. Like, yeah, you think like the president died. Yeah, I remember. I remember that day kind of vividly. And uh, we got out of church. And um, shout out to First Day of Me Zion. <laughs> we got out of church, and, and we were riding home from church. And um, Angie Martinez was on Hot ninety seven, and she was crying hysterically on the radio. And I was just yeah. like, like, what? What could have happened to where like this is like a professional, like her job is to be on the radio and talk about music and, and everything like that, and she can't even perform her job. And, I mean, that, that showed how big of an impact he had on, on hip-hop as a whole because, I mean, no, no one was able to hold it together. I mean, it was that cry. big. It was that big, yeah. I'm not going to cry. I didn't cry, but my eyes got very red. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I felt like I lost my pet. <laughs> All right, well, we appreciate the call-in, Charlie Beats. Definitely. Yes, Much appreciated. Thanks a lot for the for that Brooklyn input. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime. All right, that was Chris Shaw Nelson. We had him call in uh, Brooklyn native. Um, he gave his, his sentimental thoughts about um, the anniversary of Biggie's death. Um, now to jump into the crux of our music discussion today. And um, shout-out to MTV for giving us um, giving us our topic for today. And shout out to MTV for their top 10, their eighth annual top 10 hottest MCs list, um, which is usually jaded at one, uh, at one spot or another. And mm-hmm. once again, they have just, <laughs> they have just uh, tussled the feathers, I guess you could say. Um, I... Well, let's, I mean, let's let's go right into the list, right? And and I'm going to start from the bottom, you know, going to go 10 up. At 9 and 10, we have Future and Meek Mill. And let me let me let me just start the conversation. Let me drive the conversation first by really just trying to put my words together cohesively enough to describe why I am completely offended that Future is on an MC's top 10. There is there is no there's nothing MC about future. Future genre is ratchet and blues, not rhythm and blues. Ratchet and blues. <laughs> future is not an MC. I think he makes, I think he makes good songs. His songs are in the club. His songs on the radio. Great song maker. Uh, I won't go so far to say he's a great artist, but he he makes good good songs. He makes hot yeah. songs, and he is yeah. hot, but he's not an MC. So yeah, future's a rapper. T Pain's a rapper. 
and it, 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 precisely. And, and and the fact he's on the list is appalling initially. And the fact that they have him above Meek Mill is borderline disrespectful. Um, we're talking about Meek Mill. If you're, let, let me let me just kind of establish what my criteria is for this list. If I'm talking about the hottest MCs, I'm thinking in my mind. I'm of the mindset that that if if one of these artists were to come out with a song today, I would expect the song to be that hot. So that that's kind of how I build up my list in terms of hottest MCs, and it's also in terms of what is, what they have out right now, songs that they have out, out right now, uh, which we'll get into in terms of who was left off the list. But going 10 up, we got Meek Mill at 10, Future at 9, ASAP Rocky 8, Kanye West at 7, Big Sean at 6, Drake at 5, Nas at four, Rick Ross at three, two chains at number two, and Kendrick Lamar as the undisputed number one. I, there's there's a few things. Uh, starting with the future thing, I I have a serious problem with that. And but, but before I just completely lose it, you know, Lawrence, give us give us what you what you liked and didn't like about this list. Well, I think I think if we're gonna if we're going to talk about hottest MCs in the game. Uh, they almost couldn't have been more spot on with one and two, uh, particularly one and two. I think Kendrick and Two Chains are as hot as hot comes when it when it comes to like you said, if if Kendrick or Two Chains were to drop a song right now, we would we would almost like feel obligated to at least give it a listen because of the, the relevancy of those two artists right now. And I think I think when they're talking about hottest, that's what they mean. They mean the most relevant MCs in the game right now. So Kendrick and 2 Chainz, I'm okay with. I'm even okay with Ross sure. three because, I mean, when Ross puts out something, every everyone hears it. He, he puts out so much that you almost don't have to hear everything. But, I mean, when he does, when he is on something, you are going to hear it. Nas was kind of an issue for me. I mean, I love Nas. Nas may be the, my favorite rapper ever. I, I, if I had to construct a list of top five MCs ever, I, Nas would undoubtedly be in the top three for me. And, and that's subjective, but that's, like I said, that's for me. But in terms of hottest right now, I think the, the album he put out last year was good, was, was certainly good, and it was critically good. But at the same time, it wasn't it, – it, can't hold a, a match to any of the old Nas albums, in my opinion, and therefore it shouldn't make it shouldn't propel him to a number four on a list like this, especially over the guy like Drake, who started from the bottom. Say what you want about the song, it's it, it's a craze. It, it it you heard it whether you wanted to or not, and you, you're familiar with it. And I would say that I would almost even make the argument that ASAP Rocky should be ahead of a lot of these guys and maybe even number four or five in that four or five range in terms of hottest. I mean, he, he put out his album earlier this year, at least in December, as we all know, but he put it out in January. It was, it was a good album. It was, it was a hot album, if that's the term you want to use. It was a hot album. It sold. I mean, it, it wasn't the highest selling album of the year, but it, it sold and it, and it had some very good bangers on it. It, it it was a good rap album, in my opinion. And I think that, I mean, that made him hot. And he, he's still an up-and-coming. A guy like Meek Mill still an up-and-coming. Big Sean still an up-and-coming. I mean, these are guys that obviously have been around for a few years, but they, they haven't solidified themselves yet, at least in terms of like a uh, 
a Roth or a Kanye or even a Drake, Nas particularly. I mean, Kendrick, like I said, Kendrick is, is my favorite rapper in, in hip-hop right now. I think what he brings to the table is, is a little bit of everything. So I would have to strongly agree with the Kendrick and 2 Chainz argument at 1 and 2. But like I said, I, I think that in terms of relevancy, this list could certainly be adjusted. And Future shouldn't be in the top 1,000 MCs. Uh, uh, thank you for throwing that in. I, I will, uh, before I kick it to um, Jason and Tommy on their reaction to the list, I did want to, uh, you know, we're, we're going to point out, and I'm sure someone was going to mention this, you know, no no Pusha T, uh, no, Pusha. no French Montana, and most mm. notably no Lil Wayne. Um, mm. The blogs were going crazy in the last few days. Um, and one guy made, uh, I mean, he went to the point of almost ranting about the fact that Wayne should have been on the list. Now, personally, for me, I would rather Wayne be on there than Future. I mean, at oh, least yeah. as an MC, and at least, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about hottest MCs, I, I mean, I commend, I commend them for, I almost, I commend them for, for leaving out Little Wayne because it's all, if you're putting together an MC's list, you almost feel obligated to do it. So I commend them in that regard, but I, I, I criticize them because if you're talking, I mean, the one that Wayne is hot, he's just not good. There's, yeah, <laughs> there's a difference, right? I mean, he, very he is one of the hottest still. He still drops stuff that people love to hear. I mean, he's got, uh, I think, three different records from his upcoming album out right now that are that are all doing well. Um, Good Cushion Alcohol just went gold. Um, yeah, yeah so we said that that was, that's like top 20 on the charts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So if you're talking about hottest, um, that's a list that Wayne actually deserves to be on. If it's best then that's a completely different story, which we touched on a couple weeks ago in our little Wayne discussion. Um, uh, so I, I want to kick it to Jay and Tommy um, and get their get their reactions on this list, um, what they what they think they got right and what they think MTV got wrong. Uh, Jay, you want to start us off first? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna shake things up and say that future should be on the list, okay? And I and I'll give you and I'll give you my reasons. It is hottest. It, it, the MCs part of it for you know hip hop purists is where you, the main conflict is because you know we you just don't want to consider Future a hip hop artist, and I get that, and that's what he portrays from his latest string of songs. Um, but the Future is a rapper. Like he started out as a a, a rapper, and. You know, he's going to the auto-tune thing a lot now, and he's singing a lot a lot more. Um, but, you know, Drake sings a lot, and he's still considered a rapper. So I, I just think he's not the lyrical genius that we consider to be a good rapper. But as far as being hot, Future's crazy hot right now. Like, he, like he, he, has, a song, he has a song with Rihanna. He has a song with Lil Wayne that's huge. He's been on those big, big records in hip-hop this year, and, and that Turn On The Lights Good is a huge record for him. He's extremely hot. He's, a, he's, extremely, he's extremely hot right now. So I understand you guys' point, but as far as like the club scene goes, it's like 2 chains and Future that are the two people that are really, really killing it right now. Yeah. And and you know like like say like I don't I don't think he's a good artist, so so don't take my argument as me saying that he's a good artist or he's even a great thing for hip hop, but 
it, I think it's kind of undeniable that he's very, very hot right now. And I'm happy yeah. he's not higher than nine. You know, I would, I would, I would certainly flip he and Meek Mill. But he, 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 guys, as much as we, we're not going to want to come to terms with this, it is the reality of our hip-hop right now that guys like Future can come out and be on the radio heavy, heavy, and be in the clubs heavy and, and really, like, propel himself into, like, a national spotlight almost. Future is Future's becoming a pretty big artist right now. And, you know, it's not what we would listen to at all. You know, I, like I have one, I have turned on the lights on my iTunes and I bought it. Don't judge me. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it, it, he has, he has some very good records and he's pretty hot, but um, we'll get, we'll get into the more technical stuff. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of people I think that are, are, are a few more people that, you know, are missing for me, you know, there's no Jay Z, and you know he didn't come out with a solo album this year. But watch the throne and and the features that he's done. You know Jay Z's still very relevant in hip hop, and he's not on here at all. You know, there's Chief Keef who's been extremely hot. Like he, he he's been extremely hot this year. He's killing the internet. Like. He has like a little cult following almost right now, and you know he that 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 uh I don't like record was one of the biggest hip hop records of the year. Mhm. You know, so you know, and he's not on here. You know, there's there there's some things that could be different. But let's if we can get if you want to get into rappers, Kendrick Lamar being number one is makes complete sense to me. Um, two changing and number two makes complete sense to me. Um, Nas, I have a problem with that. Four out of respect of, of his body of work, I would, I'm okay with it to see it. Um, but I think even though he dropped his whole album, you're going to have Nas at four and not have Jay-Z on the list at all. That kind of feels, that, that kind of seems like, you know, a little iffy. Um, Raw has three. Raw is going to continue to be relevant and not. So, you know. I feel like Ross was number one at one point. So the so the drop to three, you know, makes sense. Drake technically is the king of this year because he, you know, won a Grammy for, for a rap album of the year. Um, but, you know, anything he's on is, is going to be fire. Big Sean is where I have a problem, okay? I am a Big Sean fan. I think he is, is a very good rapper. I bought his album, and I enjoyed his album, and I thought it was a good start. I didn't think it was exceptional. But you're going to say that Big Sean is hotter than Kanye West right now? That, that is also a problem for me as well. Yeah, like, like how, yeah. How, how did you go, how did you go Kanye Big Sean and not Big Sean Kanye? And... and it just that doesn't make sense to me at all. And that's not even going off of skill. Because if this was a skill list, you know, it would be it would probably be Yeezy, Nas, and Kendrick as far as like a skill wise. 
in those shuffling in the top three, adding the people on this list, in my opinion. So that bothers me. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with um, He's had a very good year, and I, I, I enjoyed his album. Um, I actually think his debut album was better than Big Sean's debut album. Um, and Mika, Mika, Mika is killing it, and, and Future is in his own right doing very, very well for himself. So the list is not, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen as far as what MTV put together because they've had some pretty bad ones in the past. But, you know, you know it, 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 it guys, guys, look at this. It. This it, is it, the reality of, 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 of all era hip-hop. Okay, we shouldn't be surprised that guys like Future are on this list. In 1995, a Future would have been this list. In hip hop, was at a very, uh, was at a much better state. We're in a new era of hip hop, and and you know, this is a product of them. You know, you got Drake, you got the Canadian, you know. Big Degrassi Bowl, like, 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 just got to be grateful for people like Kendrick Lamar, <laughs> like, like honestly. Um, so you know, that's, that's all I agree. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, you know, Kanye, Kanye actually called in. He did something very uncharacteristic of Kanye. He called Hot 97 this week. Um, uh, he called into I believe it was DJ Enough. He spoke to you about the list and and how he he felt that he should have been hired. Um, <laughs> He went about his usual Kanye antics by talking about how he bought Sway his first TV, um, which Sway has since confirmed as true. Um, but, uh, you know, Kanye, I'm, I was trying to look for the exact quote because I remember reading it. Um, but he said, um, he was basically saying that, uh, and he said something along the lines of MTV doesn't like the, 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 uh, the, the I wish I remembered the words, but it's kind of basically saying that that people don't like, um, I think, oh, the uh, Cruel Summer Kanye, or as he put it. Um, but, it, you know, with the Big Sean at 6, Kanye 7, that's that's another big problem for me um, because simply because, I mean, Kanye West, Kanye had the white dress song, which he did for the, the Man in the Iron Fist movie soundtrack. He had the verse on Rihanna's album, or Rihanna's song, the Diamonds remix recently, which he killed. Um, the cold song that he did on Cruel Summer, I mean, the, the best parts about Cruel Summer were Kanye. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, you look at the, the cold song. That song was, I mean, that song was bigger than any Big Sean song last year uh, alone. So it, it, it's, you know, there's, I feel like there's, there's uh, obviously it comes down to opinion and, and a lot could be said about different, about different seedings. Jay makes a strong case for future about being hot. I still don't consider him an MC. Um, I, it, it's tough for me. Tommy, what, give us give us your thoughts. What are you what are you liking and not liking about this list? Um, <clears throat> I think I think future is great for hip hop. To be honest, I mean that, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. 
Uh, so and and you know, getting to getting to Drake, if 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 I may, um, I did want to touch on Drake a little bit. Um, I want to get I I want to get reactions. I I'm I'm of the mindset after this uh, 5 a.m. in Toronto song that he released just the other day. Um, and I'm I'm pretty sure I touched on this when we talked about Drake a couple weeks ago after Started from the Bottom came out. I think this forthcoming album, Nothing Was the Same, is going to be Drake's most hip-hop album. And when mm-hmm. I say that, I mean I think he is out for blood in terms of just coming out and just straight rapping and showing people like, yo, nothing was the same. I'm coming for blood um, 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 and, and the interesting thing about Drake, you know, people, people, the people who say they don't like him or criticize him are, are uh, they don't like the fact that he's all sentimental and, and all that stuff. But that, that's what makes him great as a rapper. I mean, it, you listen to the stuff he's talking about, Five Minutes Around, I mean, he is, and he is essentially venting with his bars um, in, in a way that really, like, makes you stop and appreciate the fact that Drake is a, is a very good rapper. And I mm-hmm. think this next album is going to show really how much he wants this, and how how I think he's out for blood. What do you think, Al? I, I mean, I think it could be it could be great. I think that um, I mean, the started from the bottom. It, it kind of was like one of those songs that that really caught you at first. It's just like, oh my goodness, like is is this what he's doing now? And I mean, it was yeah. really cool. It wasn't. It was a, a new flow. I, I, I don't think I don't think anybody would tell you differently that that like they've heard somebody use a flow like that before. It's a, it's a different flow. I mean, he didn't do. He wasn't necessarily ridiculously intricate with it, or like it's not that there was crazy wordplay or anything like that. But it, it was a cool new flow, and and for that he gets kudos. I think, but I don't know, man. I think that I think he could he could go either way. I I, I honestly. Like when Drake mixes it up with with the with the singing and the rapping, because I mean that that's what he does. And when you buy a Drake album, kind of that's that's what you're looking to get into. Um, what what was the uh, last one? I don't know why I'm forgetting this. Um, the the most recent Drake album. Take care. Take care. I'm I'm sorry. I'm blacked out for a second. But with Take Care, I feel like it was it was almost too R&B heavy. I mean, with like the real her and and the doing it wrong song and shot, shot for me, me. like and, it was, yeah. there was a bunch of songs where he was only singing. So I, I would like to see him stray away from that. But I I like the I like the mix. I mean, I feel like when you're gonna listen to Drake, there's a few things you gotta know. You you gotta know that he's going to sing and that he can sing. So it, it's fun that he's going to sing. But also right. you gotta know that like he he's not the hardest and and he doesn't claim to be. So I feel like people need to give that a break to where it's like. Oh, I hate Drake because he's just like so corny. Blah 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 blah. Like we uh, we all as Drake fans have come to understand that he's not like the coolest person or like the role model or like the hardest out or anything like that. Like he's Drake. He's he's biracial. He's from Toronto. He was on Degrassi. That right. we're not that we're not going to change that. So we have to we have to appreciate him for what he does now. And and he is a very <laughs> talented MC. He's a very talented rapper. He's a talented singer. He's a talented songwriter. So we have to appreciate that. And and if you can be able to do that, I think that this third album could really be like it could be a 
It could be a classic because people are, like, people at this point have to be used to Drake. Like, they have to be used to his antics. They have to be used to his, his personality and stuff like that. I, I mean, I hope he doesn't make an entire album where he's just talking about lost love and, and strippers because, I mean, that seems to be, like, very prevalent themes with, with our man Drizzy. He he loves strippers for some reason, like, literally loves them, like, falls in love with them, which is something in its own. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hope the best for the Drake album, but I'm prepared for another all R&B album. If he, if he was to do an all rap album, I think it'd be good. I think I think it'd be cool, but at the same time, what separates Drake and what gives him that versatility is the fact that he can do a little bit of everything and, and, and make it all flow together. So I don't want him to start, like, trying to be overly hard or, like, I'm coming from blood necessarily because that's that's not him. Like no like no one believes that. No one believes that like Drake is gonna beat you up with like his tie dye V neck and and his uh rabbit leather jacket. Like no one no one's trying to necessarily hear that. But I mean, like like I said, I I look forward to it with with a bit of I don't I don't even know how to put it. I I look forward to it but Kind of hesitantly, because I don't want it. I don't want him to step too far outside of of his range or outside of what he has done, in order to try to prove something that he doesn't need to prove. I, I, that's a, I mean, I definitely see where you're coming from. That's a strong point. Um, try, not getting away too much from what made him Drake yeah, in the first place, exactly, right? Exactly. Uh, and I do see what you mean. But I, I mean, just briefly to go by what I said. I mean. I, what you said is about the you know shot for me and the and the uh, you know uh, uh, practice and all those stuff. I yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. I based on what we're getting from him now, I think I don't think we're gonna get a shot for me on nothing was the same. I don't think we're gonna get a practice or or the real. I I not to say that he's gonna like try to be the hardest, but I think he's just trying to do more started from the bottom. 5 a.m. in Toronto, 5 a.m. in Dallas type stuff where he, I mean, because Drake spazzes. I mean, when he decides he to does. spazz, he spazzes. Oh, he that, and, yeah. and, 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 he'll, and and I'm sure he'll make a couple songs. I mean, I don't know if there's going to be another a weekend crew love song. I mean, you, you almost expect something like that, like you said, because it's it's it's, it's more characteristic of, of Drake's character. Um, yeah. But I, I, I can only speak from what I'm, I'm observing so far, and based on these two singles, I, I, it makes me more interested to see what he's coming with on this album because it, I'm, I'm of the mindset that, um, that I mean, and it's not even like his, the five a.m. Toronto. I mean, he, he, I mean, he, he says nigga like all the time. I mean, it, it's not. I don't think he's really trying to be the hardest. I think he's just. I mean, the, the, the same stuff he was doing on Lord knows and and those songs where he really brings out like the best in terms of his rapping ability. Yeah, um, yeah. I think he's. I think he's just trying. I, but from what I'm looking at, and I, and I think he's I think he's looking to maybe highlight that part of himself a little bit more to kind of show people like, all right, like you know this is this is really my this is you know this is something that I can do for an album and and I can put together a rap album as opposed to a rap slash R and B album, um, mm-hmm. and, which is you know something that makes me intrigued at least to see what he's coming with on the album. Um, Jay and Tommy, what, what do you what are you thinking on about Drake right now? I uh, I personally enjoy the balance that Drake brings to the table, and you know if you like Lawrence said if if you follow his track.
track record, like you can't you can't you can't think that he should do anything different. Like Drake doesn't have the the street background and like the hood experiences that some other rappers have that can give him more things to talk about. Like, you know, Kendrick from Compton. So like a lot of his like stories and like and like his, his lines are reflective of like off those experiences growing up in Compton. And, you know, Two Chains has his like southern influence. Like Drake is just Drake. He's just Drake. And, you know, he I think to his credit, he's done a phenomenal job of trying to keep a balance between being a hip hop artist in being who he really is, like he's not—he's not a thug. He's that like he can't talk about that stuff. So, um, and you know, he—the balance is good. You know, you—if you look at his albums and even the so far gone mixtape, like his his first tape, you know, he had like you know he'll have like two or three songs where he's singing, and then he'll give you something crazy, like on Take Care, like he'll give you Take Care in Marvin's room, and then he'll hit you an Underground King. Mm-hmm. And and you know he'll give you the the make me proud joint with Nicki Minaj, which isn't a good song, but that's just you know that's a radio song. And then on the album right after that, he has the joint with Ross that both of them annihilate, and Just Blaze just destroys it. And it's and it's hip hop. And you know it's it's a and I just think that if if you expect anything different, then you know that that that's your that's kind of your fault as a listener because that doesn't mean you've been paying attention. Like it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you've been listening to Drake since he since he's been out. Um, so I enjoy the balance that he that he presents, and you know I, I I'm the same way. I'm like, all right, come on, son, singing again, like like, but you know it it, it creates those. It creates opportunities for those 5 a.m. in in in, in Dallas type fast sessions that he has to be like that much more great because you're like oh, I haven't heard him do this in like a long time and he kept it fresh. He he he's he's essentially by singing extending his career and his ab- like writing, um you know like like freshness for for the listener because he's not just rapping all the time. So it's like kind of to his advantage, and that's how he makes his money with those big rapping, with those big like singing tracks. So he's he's doing it. He's like he's doing he's doing it, and you know I I I look I look forward to the next Drake album. I, I would like to hear what what he's gonna do this time. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, to piggyback off that, um, <clears throat> I just um with Drake he he has the uniqueness of playing to the de- his demographic. He writes he writes songs about what he's going through in his life. His uh, females are obviously his inspiration. Um I, I don't know if Drake is a per- person but looking at looking at it from the outside in, maybe he's just he's just a good kid. Got into acting and he's he, he writes a lot and he, he's always been into his feelings and when he got in the game he was hitting as all right, this guy's not a thug and this and that, and that's not who he is. But what he does have now with this new album coming out, because well, to go back to his previous album, it seems like he's still in a in a phase where he's in a search for love and and a lust for women. 
which plays to a large demographic, but he does have now the the, the doubters and, and the hatred and people that can bring that fire out of him, which will which he will make the which will Mark will Mark will Mark was saying about how he has the he has that I gotta prove you wrong, I gotta make you make a statement that I can rap too, and I'm doing big things as well. So everything I'm doing is I mean. Is it, it, completely you can wash away anything that you thought that you thought was hot. That's what Drake can do. Um, and with this album, he may have that. You see, started from the bottom, and uh, um, the, the other song he has that five and Toronto. That's just speaking to that fire. Like y'all, y'all really trying to trying to play me like like I ain't doing it right now. And that's that's probably what I'm I'm guessing we're gonna see a lot of. But then go back to what L and J were saying. He'll probably go back to that R and B mix that he has. He has really a mastery of, and you can't. I don't know how that's a knock on him. It's 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 really a diversity that I believe people are jealous of, to be honest. But yeah, that's my whole take on Drake. Yeah, you guys um, you guys all made really good points um about how the diversity really defines Drake. Um, you know, I, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the eye test or rather the ear test, I should say, um, based on the last two songs. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, and maybe, maybe I'm getting trapped into a corner that Drake is trying to trap people in to, you know, say like, you know, I'm coming with this stuff, you know, I'm coming with bars, I'm coming with raps. Um, but, but it's like you guys say, um, in terms of his success as an artist and how he's been successful thus far, he diverts back to that other, you know, the, the R&B and, and the ballads and, and the singing the hooks and stuff, and, and that's what makes Drake Drake. Um, uh, and, and I really liked what Jay said, uh, which kind of put it in perspective for me, you know, uh, the fact that he does do the R&B stuff and the, and the ballads and whatnot really really makes the 5 a.m. in Toronto's and the and the 9 a.m. in Dallas's and the Lord knows, um, it really makes those kind of songs stand out. Uh, mm-hmm. And like you said, it really gives Drake that opportunity to come out and be like, all right, I'm about to spad, like just to remind you guys, like you said, yeah. remind you guys, like y'all think, really y'all think stuff is sweet, I'll give you two or three to, just to make sure you guys know. Like I'm, I'm here to rap. I can have to be also a good singer too. Um, uh, that, 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 really put it in fact you guys all uh made really good points on that um i think that was that was a really insightful discussion particularly for me because uh, clearly i'm 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 the one getting hoodwinked right now by Drake. but it was you guys you guys make a strong point there uh jay you got something else um you know no you know it's 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 good for hip hop i i think drake's good for hip hop i think i think he has he's going to open doors and be kind of a trailblazer in his own right to open up who is allowed in this game and who's not. You know, he is, he doesn't, you know, just kind of like how Eminem did in, in opening up doors. He's different, and, and he's going to open up doors for kids who are talented writers who may not have the classic hip-hop elite player past if you know what I mean. Like, the people that don't have, like, the the super street story behind them, that they can be in this game now. 
and 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 that I that that's a good thing, I think, for sure. That's 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 definitely a strong point to end on. Uh, um, that, um, very strong. Uh, Jason made that that point um very well. Um, the fact that Drake could could be opening up doors for and hey, that's that's the the slogan for the Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities. Um, <laughs> seemingly that 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 could be. What, that could be what Drake is doing here, and you, you mentioned Eminem, and I guess for for I guess for a um, an amateur listener, they, they wouldn't really understand. But that is really good analogy, though, because like you said, Eminem came out just completely vulgar, and it was like, oh well, you know, he opened up for other people that wanted to be really vulgar, and he made that kind of okay in hip hop. So he opened up that door, and for Drake, opening up the doors, like you said, for people who come with like that different approach, um, that's a, that's a really strong point. Um, for us to end on. We're going to kick it to a two-minute commercial um, and come back for about 15 minutes. Um, I'm going to talk about the latest rumors surrounding the Dark Knight producer Christopher Nolan and some upcoming movies that, that we can look forward to. I think my co-host will have, will have a couple good points for us um, on, our, on our TV and film segment. So we're kicking it to a commercial. We'll be right back with the collective. Holla at your boy. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Boom 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Boom 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories, and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Yes, yes, y'all, and you don't stop. <laughs> Back with the collective. <laughs> We've uh, been here since 1 o'clock, had some pretty good discussion. We just wrapped up our, our discussion on Drake, and we talked about the MTV's uh, top 10 hottest MCs list. Um, uh, we, got some, we got some good insight, some good discussion, a little good uh, debate. Um, we're going to segue into our television and film segment for the last 17 minutes here of our show. Um, our our TV and film segment is loosely based on the televisioncinema.blogspot.com. Um, our blog can be the links can be found for our blog on the episode description on the Blog Talk website. 
You can find our tiny URL and our uh, episode descriptions at thecollectiveradio.blogspot.com where we put up our topics for the week and we recap our discussions. Uh, To kick off um, our last segment here, winding down, um, you know, I wrote um, last summer, um, I did I did a write up on Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy and um, and kind of the greatness of it where it falls on the list of all time great trilogies. Um, I, I, I took a list from BuzzFeed which had it. Um, I don't remember where it was. I think it was at number number three or four. Um, and I and I put a ranking on it. You can find the the write up on on our TV and film blog. Um, but since uh, just this past week, um, the Latino Review. Um, has recently reported that Christopher Nolan is taking over the comic book landscape at Warner Brothers. Um, and mm. supposedly, allegedly, the first order of business um, could possibly include the producing of the Justice League movie. Um, this has been in talks for some time now. Um, the conflict arises because uh, just last July, after The Dark Knight Rises was released, Christopher Nolan was quoted as saying that the Batman series would be over. And uh, if there was another Batman, it wouldn't be Christopher Nolan and it wouldn't be Christian Bale playing Bruce Wayne. Um, so the, the conflict arises there. However, it is reported that uh, Nolan is taking this position at the comic book landscape at Warner Brothers. Um, uh, Christian Bale has been interviewed. He's saying that if, if Nolan were to come with him for a script, um, that he would uh, be inclined to play Batman again in a Justice League movie. Um, just to be clear, you know, we, we remember the Justice League from the comics, right? DC Comics and, and Marvel. Obviously, Marvel has the Avengers, um, which they'll be airing. The, the sequel is set for summer of 2015. Um, uh, and Marvel, you know, Marvel's banking off of the Avengers right now. So clearly this is, is the alleged response to the Avengers, um, DC Comics, and the Justice League, which would, which if we remember from the comic books, Batman, Superman, um, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, um, those superheroes, which could make for some uh, uh, a serious uh, superhero movie. Um, uh, it, it's, it's also worth noting um, that J.J. Uh, Abrams is doing the, star, the, the new Star Trek movie. Um, uh, he's also supposedly doing Star Wars. But to stick on Chris Nolan, um, I'll kick it to Tommy first because I, I know, uh, you know, Tommy has a certain proclivity for, for superhero movies and I um, uh, I'm also curious if you saw the new Iron Man 3 trailer, uh, which is set for to be released next month. Uh, but, but Tommy, uh, do you think a, a Justice League movie would uh, would fare against the Avengers, and, and uh, are you looking out for it? Uh, yeah, I would definitely be looking out for that. I'm more, uh, I'm more a fan of the Avengers, but um, as it pertains to Justice League, I'm having an Aquaman. Who? Aquaman. Uh, was he was he part of the original Justice League? Yeah, series? yeah. I remember I used to watch the cartoons for Justice League and Aquaman was there, didn't he? And but they he, never made. He never got his own single movie. Though. No, he didn't. I, I've never even heard of a rumor surrounding Aquaman, but I think you're right. He was in those those cartoons. I mean, I'll be yeah. I mean, I'll be looking forward to it. I mean, I would like to see how they were placed together because from the cartoons, it was more. So they met at the Justice League Hall and they go out and fight crime. And I was just like, I'd be curious to see how they put it all together. It'd be, it'd be pretty cool. I mean, those type of movies are always awesome. Um, I'm, like I said, more of the Avengers. I like the Iron Man, the Hulk, um, those type of guys. But 
Yeah, I would definitely, I would be fucking with that as far as the Iron Man 3 show. I haven't seen that yet. But that's definitely a movie I would, I would definitely see. I would be fucking with there as well. Um, it's, it's also worth noting um, Christopher Nolan is on board. He's doing the new Superman movie this summer, The Man of Steel, um, which they've hired. They've casted a new, a new person as Superman. Um, his name is Henry uh, Cavill. Um, he's playing the new Superman for Man of Steel. Uh, what? That's the British guy. I'm not sure. I don't even. I, I saw. I don't even recognize him. I don't know if I know him from anywhere else. I feel like I saw somewhere that they were making a kind of a deal that uh, Superman he's not an American actor. That's when he's playing. That he's not an American actor. Yeah, the guy playing Superman. Oh, uh, it does make sense. I mean, Clark Kent is not of this world, so it makes sense to hire an actor that's not of this country. I guess that that kind of lines up. Um, uh, Lawrence, your thoughts on, on Chris Nolan doing the Justice League? Uh, we've actually, looks like we've lost Lawrence. He's not on with us. Uh, he's since signed off. He, uh, like we said, he's in Boston, um, probably going to see, doing some sightseeing. So he'll be having a good time. Uh, Jay, uh, what do you think about a potential Justice League movie in a couple of years? Um, I, I think it would be awesome. I mean, you, if you think about the Avengers and, you you think about the characters in it, you kind of base how the group movie is going to be about around how the individual series work. So, you know, Iron Man has had a good run. Um, you know, Captain America, I wasn't a huge fan for it, but the Hulk has had a really good run as far as bringing back their, their solo movie, kind of. And when you have the Justice League, I mean, the Batman series is the best Superman superheroes movie series, period. Superman has had a pretty good movie. Green Lantern was trash, so that's kind of disappointing. Um, I haven't seen a Flash movie or a Wonder Woman movie, so I, so I, I, they would be. But, I mean, if you have Superman and, and Batman in, in, a, in a movie together, as far as, you know, individual success in this, you know, genre of movies, they're like the the, the top dogs almost. So it, it, if, and I am completely confident in Christopher Nolan, if anybody can do it, he can do it. I think that the Justice League movie is going to be better than Avengers based on individual series from the superheroes involved in it. Yeah, so, right. I, 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 I think, think, I think the Justice League with Chris Nolan will trump the Avengers. It's really crazy because that was one of my favorite movies from last year. So, it'll be something to look forward to, definitely. Yeah, it's, uh, and when we talk about the Avengers or rather, when we talk about the Justice League, we have to talk about the Avengers, and clearly that'll be the competition. Like I said, if, if the Justice League movie were to come out, um, apparently it would be summer 2015, which is the same summer that the sequel to the Avengers will come out. So, uh, you know, clearly the DC Comics and Marvel rivalry will be going at it. Um, I, I think I'm with you, Jay. I think if you're talking about pound for pound, uh, in terms of super individual superheroes and, and and apparently, um, it's also said here that Zack Snyder, the director who did Watchmen and 300, 
could possibly be a director for the Justice League. Chris Nolan has been doing it. Um, and, and if you know anything about, you know, Zack Snyder, you've seen those movies, his, his cinematography is unmatched. I mean, he does, he does a phenomenal job with visual effects. Um, the kind of the kind of effects, the kind of, I mean, if you're trying to picture a movie with Batman, Superman, you throw the Flash in there, um, they're going to have to get a new Green Lantern because, as you touched on, Ryan Reynolds is the Green Lantern ain't going to cut it. Yeah. And that, that that better not carry over into a, into a big movie. Um, I'm sure they would cast somebody new. Let's hope so for the movie's sake. Um, but and you know you got your Wonder Woman and, and your I mean you're, you're talking about some really dynamic superheroes here and I mean as you touched on I mean we all we it's hard not to you know ignore it's hard to ignore the greatness of the Avengers given you got your Iron Man your your Captain America um, uh, which as you said Captain America didn't hold on, hold on as well on its own I think they're still doing another installment but I mean, with with Captain America Iron Man Thor and the Hulk I mean you've got Four powerhouses there, and Hawkeye and and the uh, and the uh, Natasha Bedingfield, the Russian, they kind of thrown in there, but they're they're not really superheroes; they're kind of just extras, you know, they kind of just supporting cast. Um, so a, a Justice League movie, I think, would would fare really well um, for Warner Brothers, for DC Comics, and hopefully um, for Christopher Nolan if he's involved. I also want to touch on: Did you guys hear about the uh, the Hangover Three? trailer. Um, the Hangover 3 has officially um, released their trailer. Um, I watched the trailer and I have to say um, I'm very much looking forward to um, particularly the fact that they're making this a trilogy. I mean, they started they started a movement with this. Um, you know, it's kind of in the same genre as, as your Superbad, as your uh, Project X's uh, this new movie that's out right now, 21 and over, kind of just the the reckless party movies that just embody complete recklessness. And, and you know, it, I mean, and it resonates. It resonates with people from high school all the way up to adulthood. I mean, my, my dad loves The Hangover. He, he cracks up every time he watches it. He loves it. Um, I, I did want to get your thought. You guys thought that I, I'm assuming you guys saw the second one um, uh, and, and what you think about this movie becoming – uh, becoming a trilogy. Tell me your thoughts first. Yeah, it's always um, it's always good to see the 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 first one. I mean, the first one you didn't know what to expect, and the second one going into the second one, you kind of. I mean, you didn't want to see the plot really, the plot, the overall plot about them being lost and trying to find something. You didn't, you knew it wasn't gonna deviate from that as much, but just the overall, just un- you can't expect what's gonna happen to them. That's like. That's the ultimate. That's what's so funny about it because you just don't know what's gonna happen. You had the the second one with the little monkey messenger, the smoking a cigarette. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking forward to what what's gonna happen to these guys. So it's, it's just hilarious. These uh, the them four put together like that. The cast. Yeah, I I agree. You know, the second one they kind of stuck with that same premise. I mean, they were uh, they were stuck in Thailand, I believe, and you know, it was Stu's wedding and. and I think I think they you know they kept it kind of with the same thing, but I think it was basically equally funny. I mean, it's practically the same movie, just kind of in a different setting. Um, I, I did enjoy it. I did will say this. I mean, I like the fact that they're bringing it full circle because they're back in Las Vegas for the third one. So that I, I like that aspect of it, the fact that they're bringing it full circle. Uh, Jay, your thoughts on the on the third Hangover movie? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, the first, the first one was just. Such a, a bombshell on like, like the comedy scene. Like it, it's 
it was groundbreaking, honestly, how funny the first hangover was. And I'm, like, smiling and laughing because I had, like, I've seen running through my head. Like, as soon as I heard it, I thought, like, you know, not at the table, Carlos. And the wolf tag beat. Classic. Right there, yeah. Just hotel paid your friend. Like, like, yeah, like, like, absolute, like, genius stuff. So, and, I, and, I, and I'll, I'll be honest. The second one was funny because of the people that are in the movie. I just think that the writers, by keeping the same exact kind of scenarios going on, kind of made it predictable. And the whole thing was the first thing that it was completely unpredictable. Sure. And I would like, I would like to see them, you know. Obviously, Obviously, they're going to be partying and they're going to be doing something crazy. So we know that. But I, I, I want to see in the third one a different, you know, a different backstory to everything. Like, just to keep it a little fresher for us this time around. But, you know, everybody's going to go see it. And, you know, even if you didn't enjoy the, the second one, you'll go see the third one off the strength of the first one. That's how good it was. So I'm looking forward to it. One hundred percent. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good as long as we keep that cast together. Cause those guys, sure. those guys are really funny together. So it's cool. Sure. Um. Yeah. To wrap up, um, it does, it does almost seem like they're uh, almost compensating for that second one. Um. Uh. With that, you know, the first one was so big, and and the second one, I, I've read. I mean, it wasn't reviewed. Um. Great. I mean, basically, the majority of reviews I read basically said the stuff you guys said. I mean, it was kind of, you know, obviously kind of the same plot scheme, um, not as, not any really more suspense, not as much unpredictability um, as you guys, as you guys touched on in the second one. Um, so it almost seems like they're compensating and it's like, you know, all right, let's do the third one. Like, you know, let's, let's bring them back and let's, you know, let's make up for what we, you know, didn't do as well with the sequel. Let's make this thing a trilogy. And, and you know, a, a trilogy for a comedy is a big deal. Um, and I think this one will, will easily go down in the books. Um, uh, so we, we've got about 30 seconds left um, to wrap up our show. We want to thank our listeners, our callers. Um, I want to thank my co-hosts, Tommy Hill, Lawrence Reels from Boston, and Jason Reels. Um, that's it for week four of The Collective. We will holler at y'all next week, 1 o'clock. PM Eastern Time.